Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with what's going to be mine. Last edition of Longhorn Blitz for a couple of weeks, but decided to pop in for, uh, we'll call this the quickie era of Longhorn Blitz, because there's not a whole lot going on, and uh, we don't want to pontificate about nonsense for hours on end. Just give you the good stuff in the amount of time we got, and that's what we're going to do here on this latest edition of the Blitz. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, no longer the man behind the glass, but he is the man who sits a little bit closer now, which is always good. Matt Butler. Matt, what's up, man? Oh, just actually, we're talking a little bit of movies and politics, all sorts of stuff in here before you came in. Yeah, we're enjoying myself. How about you? I heard some big news from you as you came in. Uh, We'll go ahead and just address it. We're like ETA. Real quick. Yeah, I want to get to more of this at the end of the show. But yeah, my wife and I, as we record this on Wednesday, uh, we'll be going to the hospital tonight. And so at some point on Thursday, you know, baby baby will be here. Yeah. Yeah. So the next time that I record, I record, a, I record an episode of this show. Uh, that yeah, is awesome. I'll be a dad, that's awesome. So. Tomorrow is one of my cousin's birthdays. That's a yeah, small world. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's crazy, fellas. It's like it's you, you think about the whole thing, and then it's like when it's on the doorstep, it's like oh wow, like it's life changed yeah. forever. Yeah. Done. You should Never have saw Travis's face. He knows what you're talking about. He has one and another to come. Yeah, it happens. See, there you go. Life changed forever, man. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, 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 to say I'm looking forward to it is an understatement. Uh, I'm always looking forward to spending time with the third member of our team, Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, ending up with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. If he had a T-ring, he would wear it proudly. <laughs> Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts. Mr. Rod Babers and Rod, actually, had a question for you. A couple of hey, this show is going to be more of a Rod-centric show because there's a couple of topics I wanted to broach. Rod, Rod, one is uh, kind of a just a silly subject, but yeah. uh, you know the Spring League is coming to Austin. Yeah. It's not the NFL Spring League; it's just the Spring League is yeah. what we're calling Johnny it. Johnny Manziel, baby. Johnny Manziel is going to play in the Spring right. League. Rumor RG three is possibly going to play oh, in the good Spring for him. League. Uh, uh, Rod B, any chance <laughs> you can pull the cleats out the trunk Man. and give it one more Ooh, shot, dude? I would. You know what? If it was like. If it was like the XFL or something, maybe. The Spring League? No, I, I couldn't do it. Because no it's just seri- serious I'm cats. I'm, appro- I'm approaching, like, I'm on the, like, I'm, I'm closer to 40 than I am to 30. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, that's, yeah. Because there's cats in the Spring League that still, like, were draft picks not that long ago. Oh, yeah. I think when I say Greg Hardy was Greg in Hardy was in, played last year. But yeah. Ahmad Bradshaw. Yeah. And ben and that's Tate. sort of bordering, yeah. though, on the type of play. I like, remember if that you're time. Kellen Winslow was in the Spring League last year. There's a little bit of, say, yeah. desperation in yeah. you. Exactly. And you might be playing, like, a little over-intense or really into this. So I could see that oh, no. being a Those place. Those guys are hungry out yes. there, man. Trust me. Quite hungry. Yeah. Even more hungry than almost all. It's like your last chance desperation. Yeah. you talk, I think Winslow, Winslow a former first-round draft. Yeah. 
Yeah. You talking about Kelly guys Winslow was going to be out there? I believe Kay Winslow was yeah, in. Yeah, he was. was he a one seven up there? Yeah. Seventh pick in the draft. Yeah. I haven't even seen you know them. I mean? Heard about so this? It's one of those things. I think it's it's to me it's refreshing almost, but it is sad for them I'm that so all good. those all the players in the NFL they go through the same experience when it's all kind of over. Like you you just grasp it. Now it's not the exact same, right. but in terms of your relationship being done with the game, like the game moves on to like a younger, better athletes. Like period. That's what it's all about. And you know, Tom Brady's kind of the only one who really hadn't had to deal yeah. with it. I don't know. He's got to deal with the devil. Yeah, we got Drew Brees <laughs> over here. Yeah, Drew Brees too. Like some, I mean, quarterback position is different than some guys, but for the most part, yeah. the game gets done with you. You don't get done with the game. Even you, you played with the great Jerry Rice when he Jerry was Rice. hanging I on in him Denver, grasping at it at Denver, yeah. hairline, fa- hairline receding, but still Brady, going out to the club, still out there going at it. You know what I mean? Still can run a great uh, six route, but yeah, I mean that's the re- your relationship with the game, your love. It, it it changes. It has to come. Right. Like I always say, you're in, I'm in the friend zone now yeah. with football. I used to have this passionate love affair. We would do it every night. We'd get down and we'd try all this freaky stuff. It was great. And everybody else envied when I walked around because they were like, that guy's relationship with football that I wish I could have. I lo- And I wish I could be on the field playing like that guy. I wish I was blessed with that ability. Now, I'm just like everybody else. I'm in the friend zone. I'm watching from the outside like, oh, that guy's really good. Like, I, I yeah. envy his relationship with the game. You know, I say so, watching a guy with a really fine wife. Yeah. Like, damn, he's got a fine <laughs> wife. What did he do to get that fine wife? Is he is he rich? Is he got a good personality? Because <laughs> he doesn't look that attractive. Like, you know what I mean? yeah. Two things. Two things here. So, one, Rod, can you hold off until, what is it, 2020 when he actually XFL comes back, see if that might work out for you. Dude, 2020, I'll be 40. Mm-hmm. I was born in 1980. 2020, I will be 40. 40's the new 30, right? 40 is the new 30. Mm-hmm. You know what? If they have a team in Austin, I'll try out. There okay. you go. All right. Hey, guys. You got that on record. That's on record. You got that, Matt? You got that, Mark? Okay. I'll probably just do it for my show. They, they, like, I know they don't have an open tryout because Vince McMahon's a, you know, he's an exhibitionist. Now, don't. So he'll have an open tryout, and boom. That's when I'll. I'm going to borrow I'm gonna borrow one of your words, right? Don't be a re-nagger. If it's like a San Antonio if it's like a San Antonio team. No, it's got to be in the ATS. Okay, if it's in Austin. Got to say in Austin. I'll Give it, I'll, I'll try it for it. And point. then we'll have to gets, YouTube it. And then yeah, it can I'll be, get like videos and, you know, who knows. I may if anybody up. wants to laugh at me, you can yeah. YouTube my tryout for the Texas Rangers back when I hosted oh, the, when I produced yeah, I the buffet. That. I tried I out. That. John Madani got the, <laughs> the – I was too old. And I was 25. You had to be. <laughs> you had to be a certain. Oh, you age. know what? They might do that. They might have an age requirement. But they might not, not let 40 year old see, men they do let it. media members do it if you're doing uh, it as a promotional yeah. thing. So yeah, I was Vince able to that. get grandfathered point. in, and I remember showing up out there. I was like 25 and seeing Aaron <laughs> Williams' little brother, who was like a sophomore in oh, high school, man. and like Nolan Ryan didn't care to see anybody. But the second little Daniel, I think his name was, came up there, he was on the top of the fence watching. Because there's yeah. a couple of guys at those tryouts that oh, you yeah. might be able to find I want, everybody I want else there. There's a diamond in the rough. There's a, no, there's, uh, I mean, Jose Altuve. Little, sure was, I mean, it, Jonathan Simmons from yeah. the Spurs was exactly. one that made it's it as a public like, like, It's a tryout. Like, yep. hey, no, I'm going to go try it. I want, like, I want an XFL legit. tryout for a team in Austin. I want Vince McMahon to be watching the tryout, like in the P.T. Barnum voice. He rises, who is that guy? Babers, get me Babers, damn it. Yeah, because I got to go out there and put on the show. Well, Vince Vince probably would try out at that time. Maybe nah, Vince would try out for Who knows? It, you know I mean? um, yeah. Second thing, why do I picture your uh, – we've talked about this on the Blitz before, uh, our previous incarnation of the Blitz. Um, your, your kind of 
meeting, if you will, in a sauna with Jerry Rice when you guys were with the Broncos. Why do I oh, picture man. that being like the scene at any given Sunday when like Jamie Foxx and Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor, Taylor are in the sauna? Very similar. Yeah, me, yeah very similar. But except not the – there's not any tension there. It was right. just pretty me – just me trying to make conversation with Jerry and Jerry just dropping, you know, wisdom, just dropping knowledge on me. You know what I mean? Just boom. Throwing it out, I'm, and he didn't act bothered, or he really—I mean, it was a teammate, so he he just sit there and talk to me. It was cool. Yeah. Every now and then, it'd just be me and Jerry Rice, and I'm sorry that meant something to me to be naked yeah. in the sun. No, with Jerry sure. Rice I've alone. heard other players speak of yeah. this. Yes, I would just because I was a I was a, a fan of football. Like there, there are guys that go, and you you can attest to this, Jeff. There are actually football players out there who are good at football prospects that you probably talk to that aren't NFL fans. Right. Like they don't, mm-hmm. they, they're like, I don't, yeah. I'm not an NFL fan. I'm sorry. Like I say Roy Williams would be a guy yeah. like that. Some guys don't even that watch college, college football. Yeah. 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 There's some guys, now, now those guys are crazy to me too. I'm like, how do you not watch college football? This is you're going to go play. But yeah, there are guys who like to don't really watch football like that as they expect to. They just play it's a means it. to mm-hmm. an end. Yeah, but like I was a fan of it. So there was guys that I watched growing up like Jerry Man. Rice. And I'm like, dude. I watched you, man. You just my whole life. life. Do you know who you are, man? Like you know, what I mean? like <laughs> yeah. you're the one like, man, you know who you are. But that's unprofessional. It's you know, you're in the locker room with him, so you just yeah. try to hang out but, with him and you know get little nuggets from him. But Jerry Rice obviously is cool. The guy crashes weddings now. Yeah, I know that, right? Really? Oh, Jerry I Rice is a notorious. Go look it up. Go Google Jerry Rice wedding crashing. He's made an art of it. The guy will go crash any That's wedding. That's awesome. He, yeah, so he just randomly because he's Jerry Rice. Hotels. And why the hell not? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> so he knows that guy. <laughs> no one's gonna run me out of here. You're Jerry freaking well, Rice. Yeah, you haven't wedded and, 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 and what is the first person that figures out you're Jerry Rice? Does he's gonna groom. introduce you to the groom, <laughs> bro, bro? Jerry Rice is your wedding, bro. I'm looking at a story from The Ringer right now. Yeah. How do you follow up a Hall of Fame career? You spend your weekends crashing weddings. He crashes weddings. It's unbelievable. That's awesome. And everybody loves it. And by the way, you know why I know he's crashing weddings? He started, actually, when he got divorced. He recently got divorced. Mm. And, he, and I'm like, he's a wedding crasher. Literally like the movie. And that's literally, you know what year that came out, Rod? Right? Yeah. You know why he's crashing weddings? Because he's banging all the ladies there. And you that's happened to be his teammate brilliant. the year that Wedding Crashers came out. In no play, <laughs> yeah. like 06. That was when that movie, 05, yeah. Dude, it's so uh. it's so simplistically <clears throat> brilliant. I was like, why is Jerry Rice crashing weddings? I mean, really, what's the motivation? I thought about, I was like, the movie Wedding Crashers. It was all about them hooking up with chicks. That's what Jerry's doing, and he's recently divorced. I've heard Boom. other Broncos yeah. on that team talk about just how Jerry would be the guy going out to the club with the oh, young they, guys, and yeah. oh, it Jerry was Barty. like all the 23. Jerry he's Barty. still in his mind was the young Jerry Rice, even when he was 37-year-old Brady no question. Jerry Like Rice. Ric Flair, you got to live it to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You got to live it. When, yes. uh, when I'm at the hospital later tonight and I've got some time on my hands, I'll read that Jerry Rice Dude, story. Good. I'm fascinated <laughs> now. It is. No, it's great. Uh, second thing I wanted to touch on with you this week, Rod, Again, it's a Rod-centric show this week. Well, I know uh, where you're going. This is good. This Tim Brewster thing. Yes! Your boy Brew. So, oh, boy Brew. You got anybody, boy Brew. anybody listening to the show has seen the tweets <laughs> by Tim Brewster. He's calling College Station, dubbing it the station. I love He's it. He's pumping up the SEC. <laughs> this made me think, like, know, this, this brought me down this path that I always think about with recruiting. Rick Flair. And this is no disrespect to Tom Herman or any of the guys at Texas because, you know, there's some guys on that staff, yeah. the guys that I've interacted with are stand-up no guys. No doubt. But I think in a recruiting process, all college coaches, all guys on all 130 staffs, you're all full of crap. Your goal as a prospect is to figure out which guys are less full of crap than the others. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Not really no. what recruiting boils down and to. And if you're a coach, I mean, this reminded me of, like, say, you know, it, you, it's your team. 
And no matter where you're at, you got to be in or you're out. And it reminded me of what happened with you and Mac, that, like, Mac thought that you were out of the team whenever you were a media member. Yeah. And wouldn't let you in. Like, you just have to have that blanket look that, like, I don't care that I am oh, yeah. was in the ACC. Now I'm in the SEC. It's the best ever. The exactly. station's the best ever. Everywhere Texas, I am, like, I can't right. it's the tell best my ever. fan base that I'm not, so, you know, all in on the fans. Exactly right. In that same vein, I, exactly I, do, right. I do think it's your job as a prospect to figure out, okay, which guys are less full of crap. Yeah, figure out. Who's who's real? Who's as close to real as possible? But isn't not. that your is, isn't right. that your evolution? Like as a person too, right. don't you have to figure out your industry who who is trustworthy? Yeah. Second thing. The second thing though, Rod, this is something you talk about, and I think this relates perfectly to Tim Brewster. When you're recruiting, you make a decision to go to a school. You're making that decision out of loyalty. Mm-hmm. That's where you want to be. That's a, people talk about. It's a forty year decision. It's a lifetime decision. Whatever, Rod. You yeah. you picked. You had your options. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Your final five was Colorado, Penn State, Florida State, Texas A and M, and Texas. Yeah. And you picked Texas, knowing that that was going to be a decision that was going to change your Thank life. God. When you're a college coach, yeah, you could be pumping up the state. State. You could be at Penn State. Yeah, you could have been. I could have been with that. Jerry Sandusky was up there. He was like the DC. Jerry Sandusky had you on the board, Rod. Uh, This is true. He had Babers on the little name plate up on the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember that at all. But I did like Joe Pye. But you're right. It was about loyalty to us. You're right. Good point. And college coaches, as you said, Rod, you made this great point. I, I forgot which staff we were talking about. College coaches are loyal to the one thing. Who's going to pay them the most? Who's going to employ them? That's it. They're they don't give a damn about. You're loyal to your employer. They're, they're mercenaries. Yeah. They're mercenaries. They're paid for their loyalty. They're not the prospects are actually the most. That's why when people Reggie Hempel yeah. maps transfers and I, I, Longhorn fans, by the way, were very classy about wishing him well. I want to say that I, there Which are very is, few like that's good back in the day used to be like man, you know they you hear F somebody like guy. talking trash on a yeah. player transfer. I'm like, do you realize this player chose? <laughs> The university, just like you as a fan, chose to root for Texas. There are tons of most Texas fans didn't go to Texas. Right. Right. Don't you know what you're saying <laughs> is nothing, representing that Nothing wrong with that. They, I'm saying you chose, just like the athletes, you chose Texas. We cho- that's what that's what fans and players have in common. Yeah. We chose Texas. We want no one paying us for our paid. loyalty. I ain't I ain't getting a four hundred one k from it. And you know what I mean? Like literally, I chose Texas out of all those schools, and yep. that's what the, that's why I always, that's the connection between fans and players. Don't ever forget that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always say about coaches. I love him, Mac Brown. He's great. They're all fantastic. So is Daryl K. Royal. But remember, they were paid for their loyalty. They didn't just decide. You know what? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna go work for Texas for free. Like, nope, they didn't do that. They're yeah. getting paid for their loyalty. Now, when you stop paying them, they usually leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very rarely that you stop paying a coach and you say, you know what, I'm going to stay here and give you my services for free. It don't work that way. Coaches don't choose the schools. They get chosen. Right. You know what I mean? So I think that's people forget that at the college level, but that's what I always love about yeah. the connection with the fans. And when you use the word loyalty, I mean, with both of them choosing it, then at one point when one makes a decision, it's like a breakup in a relationship that sometimes feelings will be hurt, but then there can be yeah. that mutual understanding that there was we were going there out of our choice like you're saying not somebody that you just paid to when you're paid to come in immediately there's nothing bearing other than that paycheck therefore you're going to say whatever you need to to protect that paycheck if there's love there i chose yes. it because I it's love like it. a girl Fans in a ba- breakup of loyalty yeah, and then that's thing. why you also yeah. have bitter hard feelings yeah. if one ch- chooses to leave it so while at one point in time tim brewster was loyal to texas and, he was and he for it. organizing <laughs> organizing three-way phone conversations on, yeah, the, on the old dial-up Phone with, Man, uh, with on me, the landline with Rod Sims, D and Boskies, Corey Redding, yeah, and Corey Redding, yeah. getting that class of '99 put together and telling Greg Davis, telling Greg Davis, no, you don't need to recruit Billy Don Malone. I can get you Vince Young. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, now Tim Bowie Brewster's Donald recruiting Donald. for Texas A and M, and it's just fascinating to me, Rod, that Tim Brewster's a guy that you know uh, a lot of people in our office at twenty four seven Sports know really well. You've known Tim Brewster yeah. for a long time, actually, probably most of your life now, right? You you could yes, say you could true. say you know, I've been known him since I was like seventeen. You've, right? known, yeah. you've known Tim Brewster <laughs> for twenty years now. <laughs> um, but this is, and I know it's aggravating to Texas fans, but this is what Tim Brewster does, and what Tim Brewster <laughs> did while he aggravated Texas fans. Guess what? A lot of people that weren't talking about Texas A&M yesterday are talking about Texas A&M now. You were loving Brew this whenever is, Brew was this, doing it for you. This is how I like hanging out with you guys. I, I think we we vibe. We think along the same lines. And I I, I put it in a different way because I got to do radio, so I got to put it in a way that stands out to people. Do you think? We are living in a world now with social media and things, the reality TV world that we live in, where people turn shame into fame and fame into fortune. That's what you do. Like, shame doesn't really matter as much as it used to. People don't get, like, you know what I mean? They don't get a, sh- there's no shame. People are shameless. Mm-hmm. LeVar Ball, Kardashians, Donald Trump. They're shameless. They really don't have no yeah. shame. They really end up turning that shameful moment. You're like, they should be ashamed of themselves. No, they're not. No. <laughs> they actually ended up getting more media impressions because of that. Uh, the, the You know what the most talked about subject was from the NBA All-Star game? Fergie. Fergie! <laughs> you become funny. a meme. Fame you, and shame you, or this one. People Misinformation talk, becomes mass information. Exactly. So you can mark <laughs> it up later. You know what I mean? But You become you, a meme and go viral. Yeah, go yeah. viral first. Yeah. Get get your name out there. Now people are like, Tim Brewster. Tim, Tim Brewster's a star now. Because <laughs> he, really he was is. a like, star 20 he, years ago and he, people forgot about him. He figured out on social media back. how everybody's tweeting. All these coaches are tweeting. All of them tweeting. All of them tweeting little enthusiastic stuff. All right? How can I just... How can I set something on fire? How can I go viral with it? Mm-hmm. Hell, I know that because I used to be a part of Texas sports and Texas football. I know how crazy those fans are. I know they look into yep. every little thing and they'll pick on every little thing. And, of course, they're doing it with Texas A&M now, doing the Texas Cold Wars, I call it. So, hell, man, let me just set it on fire. Let me just start throwing it out there. You know what I mean? Let me just start throw, and, and shameless, shamelessly, by the way, plugging the SEC. Uh, and I knew that, yeah, six months ago I was saying the ACC may be the best conference. Oh, let me just start calling it the station. Uh, why does that bother Longhorn fans? I have no idea, but it does. <laughs> so my point it's is, Aggie. he's loving this. I know Brew. Brew is loving <laughs> it. People are like, man, that dude, he, he, he's getting uh, made fun of. Everybody's talking trash on him. He's loving it. Now like he, a now the kids, Ball character. Instead he, of having to introduce myself to recruits now, Jeff, they know who I am. Mm-hmm. They know me now. Well, no, and that's where the you hate can Now fuel I become him. larger than life when I walk in living. Oh, that's Tim Bruce. And, I, and now that Tim Bruce, that Ric Flair of recruiting y'all talked about, that larger than life personality, it starts to fit. Boom. Mm-hmm. Boom. And he's talking trash, and he's he's braggadocious, and he's boisterous, and he's is he the most popular recruiter now in the country? Do more people know him? And they don't even know him as a good coach. Most people don't even know what he coaches. Right. <laughs> even about, hey, the tight end's coaching. He doesn't really know. They don't give a damn about that. I'm a recruiter, man. That's what I do. I'm a mouthpiece. LeVar Ball. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. shame to fame and fame to fortune. I'm not saying I agree with the recipe, but damn you if you don't believe it works. Right. Donald Trump has shown you that. Kardashians have shown you that. LeVar Ball is showing you that. It works. It's shameful that it works, but it works. Maybe the days. maybe the best description I ever got of Tim Brewster, this was right after he got the Minnesota job, is I had somebody tell me, like, you know how Tim Brewster got that job? I was like, I, I was like how? It's like, because he happened to just coach Antonio Gates in San Diego and he can recruit like a mother. 
Yeah. And they got a mouthpiece on them. Well, yeah. and then when you have that mouthpiece. becoming a head coach of Minnesota. You think he got a Big Ten job. It's not like he got like an <laughs> FCS <laughs> job. It's like they do had no. And I nothing against Coach Brew. Coach Brew's great. But everybody knows he really didn't have any business being a head coach. They of need it. He's a, he's, he hasn't even been like a coordinator. I think he's been like a tight end coach or a recruiter. Yeah. Being, you know, head coach. I think he was like maybe a coordinator for a year. I didn't look at his resume. My point being, like you said, man, he's very a maximi- He's a maximizer. Right. Like There's a reason that when he was recruiting us, he was like, you know what? Hey man, let me let me let, I got a surprise for you, Robbie. Let me get Chris Sims on the phone, man. He knows I'm a fo- I'm an NFL fan. I know the Sims. I'm like, you getting Chris Sims on the phone? Oh yeah, man. Chris Sims was talking about you the other day. I was like, Chris Sims is talking about me? He's like, yeah, man. Chris Sims is like, man, he's totally BSing. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, like I said, all college coaches, all college yeah. coaches are full of crap. Gets Chris Sims on the phone. Me and Chris start talking, and then on three way, he I think he's like hang, he's hanging out with Corey Ray and stuff. Ends up getting like both. Phone the phone, and we did a three, uh, three, three way back. Three way was a big thing back in the day, guys. Phone calls. Uh, with yeah, <laughs> with Chris Sims, myself, and Bo Skis. I talked to C Red on the phone. This is before these guys even really committed to Texas, but mm-hmm. he's understanding. He's like, no, 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 I'm gonna let them recruit each other, which is what social media does now. Yeah, just, he was already doing. He's like, no, no, no. When these guys start talking to each other, yeah. and they just doing it because of me, Brew, they're gonna associate they it with Texas. It. They're gonna mm-hmm. become friends. Mm-hmm. And all of us came to school early. We all came um, early, like. During the summer to work out, me, Sims, Boscape, C Red, because we had already formed these friendships through Brew. Yep. It was crazy, man. So now you, you you look at what this means for Texas and in, in terms of the 2019 recruiting cycle. AM's already got some momentum for themselves. And I think it's going to make the job for Tom Herman and the staff a lot harder. It already has. And, yep. and they've got an uphill battle to climb with some prospects. But you know, I think the saving grace for Tom Herman and the staff is. They've already done a good enough job at developing establishing relationships with recruits in this state that I think the word is out. There's enough positive word out about the things this staff does and how they build relationships and how they interact with recruits that I think to an extent they're going to be fine. They've just kind of got to weather the storm a little bit. And, and, and I'll remind everybody when you talk about recruiting, man, people freak out all the time throughout a recruiting cycle. Man, a recruiting cycle is a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some ups. And the next minute you're gonna have some downs. Even yeah. more so every year. And, and no diff no different than when you talk about a team and like a good quarterback is the guy that kind of manages mm-hmm. kind of the steady hand that just manages everything. You know, when things are going bad, he's like, nope, he just kind of keeps you going. Yep. That's how a good staff handles recruiting, man. When you don't panic when things are bad, when you're not just puffing your chest out when things are good. If you can just understand that, hey, this thing's a marathon. Let's just keep on this, just keep on the steady line, just keep doing what we're doing, and it's gonna pay off. I do think though, Rod, that that win total, that number in the win column for Texas, it's going to be much more important what it is in 2018 to the 2019 class mm-hmm. than it was in 2017 to the Agreed. 2018 class. Yeah, no question about it. It's it's one of those things now where, you know, I talk about the Texas Cold War between Texas and Texas A&M, um, where they're basically having to recruit, having to compete for all the resources as if they were going to play each other in the same state, um, and now I think two formidable head coaches, all right, that can also kind of solidify those programs and make them really good again. I mean, you could be looking at, and Longhorn fans don't like to hear this because they're always paranoid about A&M doing well, even though we don't even play each other anymore. I, and I think like we're on, the, and I think we'll play each other again. Like Craig Way says, we're on a break, like Rachel, like Ross and Rachel from Friends. Yeah. It, it's gonna happen, but it'll be down the line. There's only been I think one season where. In like the 118 matchups for Texas and Texas and Texas A&M playing each other, like one, I think it's one season where both programs have had double-digit winning seasons in the same season. Oh yeah. So 
we always believe that. Well, like that, 70, was that 77 maybe? 75? I don't know. I don't remember when it is, but I'll it's only up, one season. It. And it's crazy. that You were like, no, that's not true. It's like, actually, it is true. I remember going back and doing this. Yeah, research. and it's hard to for for each of those fandoms to fathom their program doing well and also Texas and the other their rival right. or even now their unofficial rival doing well at the same time. So that's that's what that's what feeds the paranoia uh, about the Texas yeah, seven, 75 Texas and Texas and were both 10 to 2. There you go. Yeah. So that's what feeds the paranoia. It's like no no no. Our success has to be at the expense of Texas. And Texas A&M's uh, success has to be at the expense of you know Texas and vice versa. So it's weird to me that in the most arguably the most uh, lucrative and the largest, most fertile recruiting ground in the country in Texas, we feel like that's not enough talent to go around and make both of these programs successful, especially now since they're in different conferences. Right. Now you can see the Texas national, the All Texas National Championship, which by the way we are probably closer there in terms of projecting than we've been in a really long time. If yeah. you just look at now Jimbo Fisher, one of four head coaches active that have won a national title. Tom Herman just last year was the hottest coaching candidate on the market and everybody projects him to be really, really good and we all love him too. So, you know, you're kind of on that track. I would love to see that. I don't hate A&M as much as most Longhorn fans, but I will admit the unofficial poll that I've done says that Longhorn fans hate Aggies more than they do Sooners, which is crazy to me. Yeah, and I've taken that poll several times. I've taken it at tailgates, like with the crowd in front uh-huh. of me, and saying, and at, like having this same feeling, being like, "Who do you hate more?" And they're like, "I hate the Aggies more." I'm like, "Really? I hate the Sooners more. I have a deep disdain, a deep hatred for the Sooners. Like, I, I don't have any Sooners. You know what I mean? Like, I, when I when I literally somebody tells me they're a Sooner, like I literally look at them. I hate the state. Hashtag hate the state of Oklahoma. So I don't really like any of those workouts. Yeah. I got I got friends that are Aggies. I got some of my closest friends that are Aggies. I Absolutely, see Aggies yeah. every damn day. But to Longwood fans, that bothers them, especially now when the Aggies have a little bit of cockiness yeah. and arrogance about them. Yeah, to me it's it's different though because when I was in my formative years in high school, which I think are your, the years that kind of make a, the biggest impression yes, on you. exactly. A&M wasn't very good. Like yeah. Oklahoma, Oklahoma won a national championship in 2000. I think I was a sophomore or junior in high school when they won the national mm-hmm. championship yeah, and Texas was on the way back. Yeah. And that was the roadblock to Texas being really good You're again right. was Oklahoma. A&M was an afterthought. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, they play the That's day after point. Thanksgiving and, and it's kind Which of a nice, Remember that it's a nice little game. Though. There was still that the A and M. It was, the but crew. I mean, you got to go back right? to exactly Leland McRoy, the Wrecking Crew. It was like ninety to ninety five. Yeah, but I think for so, but I think for a lot of Texas fans, though, Matt, for and this is just the the people that I associate with. It was like, man, that's as good as it's ever as it's been for A and M, maybe ever. And it's still in the grand scheme of things, wasn't that good? It's like that nineteen ninety eight year where they won the Big Twelve is actually like one of the top three greatest seasons in Aggie football. But people talk history. about people like, talk about it really is. I think it is. Actually. People talk about like, nine. Really people talk about ninety four when they were ten zero and one. It's like. Yeah. They were on probation, yeah. so so it just feeds into the the Texas fan mindset that see anytime A and M's good is when they're cheating. Yeah, no, 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 and I, I agree with that. It, it's weird. Okay, since night, so we're talking about our lifetimes as fans and this rivalry yeah, like and now the Cold War. Were right? the two years they almost. I did. I did some of this research. Oh, so since 1980, which is I'm an 80s baby. I was born in 1980. Okay, so since 1980, uh, there's 32 years, and that's since the rivalry stopped in 2011. You want to guess the record? For how many wins Texas has since then and how many wins A&M had since then in the rivalry? Since when? Since 1980. Uh, I'd say it's... It's got to be pretty close to even. No. It's dead even. Oh, wow. 
Because A&M Daddy. dominated in the 80s and the Texas under Mac just only I had somebody, they was like, that rivalry is never really that competitive. I was like, whoa, 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 we recency bias. It actually, mm. if you go back in my lifetime, because I grew up being a football fan even when I was a kid, all right, you know, around eight, nine years old, as soon as I can fathom it. Yeah. Um, the Aggies were good. That's why Houston wasn't Aggie town for so long. It's because of the 80s and then you kind of the Aggie I, renaissance. I know, I know there's someone to listen to this podcast going, that's when they were cheating. Yeah, no. Jackie right. Shells buying players. Yeah, that's, right. that's fine. That, no question about it. 1993 down to yes. three years but then, before then exactly. they won four of six. Everything shifts, especially during the Mac Brown era. Yeah. And here's a stat for you in the Mac Brown era. During the Mac Brown era, since 1998 to 2011, during that rivalry, all right, both teams were ranked only three times. That's it when they played. Only three times were both teams ranked at the same in time. The Max there, so that would have been in 90, the Mac, exactly. Only three times in that in that was that uh, fourteen years. Ninety eight, oh four, and oh six. I think probably would have been the three years. It is both teams ninety nine. Uh, Texas was seven. Aggies were twenty four. Okay. Two thousand. Okay, Texas, Texas was twelve. Uh, the Aggies were twenty two. 2004, Longhorns was six. Aggies 22. Yeah. Um, there's a, 06, maybe? Yeah. That's it. Three times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, in that time span, I mean. So that's that's part of it. Like, it's like, no, it, it died because, well, the Aggies didn't keep up their end of the bargain. I, I mean, mean to be frank there. I'm not hating on the Aggies, but uh, the Longhorns were ranked 12 times in those 14 years. I want to say the Aggies were ranked uh, five times. Well, some lean years, years. For, you know what I mean? Like so that the when, NRC's time, yeah. And like Texas came to prominence when the Aggies were doing bad. Like they want, e- you know what I mean? Either. So once again, feeding the paranoia uh, for us to be successful, they it must be at the expense of the Aggies, which right. is not really true. Like that's not that's like a misnomer. It's not really true. Well, and it was pre Big Twelve really changed yeah. this too because before we it was OU was the Big Eight team and you would get to meet up once a year. But there was that Southwest Conference bond where it was Texas or A&M contended from, like, say, Royal all the way through to 1996. So that's where it sort of, I guess, for those two decades, you felt it was Texas or A&M. You're right. And then once the Big 12 was birthed, that was whenever it opened up the door because we all thought it would be Nebraska. Texas somehow had the balls over Nebraska, but it ended up being Oklahoma was the Big 8 team that really infiltrated. And that's sort of when I think that we saw this shift with Texas fans to at least acknowledge now Oklahoma's hated but there was like that part of Texas and Texas A&M identity of the entire Southwest Conference came down to just that. Right, can I say this about your poll and, and kind of use this Arkansas left in yeah. 91. Kind of just I, I'm just spitballing here trying to justify like why a Texas fan would hate A&M more than they hate Oklahoma. I think it's because in in the minds of those fans, it's almost like there's a respect level for Oklahoma because when they look at Oklahoma, they say okay, Oklahoma's a national brand. They've won a lot. They're, they're, worthy, like the they're really good. Yeah. They're they're worthy, worthy of, of they're, they're worthy of our attention. A and M, they're a nuisance. They're, little they're annoying. They're beneath yeah. us, so they're not even worth our attention. So when they are good, it's more just annoying than anything that they're that. that they actually think they're on this our is, level. I think that's kind true. of the fan yeah. base's mindset of those who hate A and M more the, than they hate Oklahoma. The, the truth is the Aggies have everything that it takes and they always have to be a blue blood but they just really aren't in terms of achievement level like they yeah. you know what i mean like that's that and and that bothers them i think it's part of you know the the, the discourse that 
damn, they do have – I mean, they have the recruiting resources. They have the money, obviously. They got they got everything it takes. They just haven't taken it to the next level. And there are programs out there that have less resources available to them that have made it to the blue blood level. Now, we can debate what's a blue blood and all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. we know that they're not really a blue blood. They haven't won a national title since Hitler was still a, considered a cool dude, like Time Magazine. I've, I've talked year. to and It's hard been a while. You know what I mean? It's hard so, beyond being like Texas yeah. when you are so, – something after the state's name – that just shows that secondary level of a school, so it's really hard no, to get above They, they may be one of the, the biggest underachievers in college football history. Cool. No that question. is true. And that, and that is part of That's why Longhorn fans feel the way they do about them. You know about you probably know I mean? 10 years ago, Rob, the, the school that I got hurt lumped into, and I, this is from like national college football guys that have been covering the sport for decades, the school that they lumped into with A&M in terms of the biggest over, uh, underachievers in the country, yes. yeah, Clemson. Because they like, because they said when you yeah, look when you point. they said when you look at Clemson they've got facilities they've got a fertile recruiting ground they've got some traditions like why are they consistently like a six and six eight and four type program they're never getting over the hump yeah. and it took the right guy at the right time which right. is Dabo Swinney with the right you know franchise type player a generational mm-hmm. player in Deshaun Watson they got over the hump. Now, but then you look at A and M. It's like, well, they've had a Heisman Trophy winner, and they were still the third best team in their own damn division in the SEC. That's true. Yeah, they used to call it Clemsoning. I remember but when Clemsoning see, that's was a bad thing. Where geographic yeah. convenience can help or hurt you, it can help you being that you have this fertile ground. Yet this is also where all the best come to get their players and the competitions even higher. If you can find yourself in one of those deep south pods where, say, you can have some clout to play the way that Clemson or an Auburn, the way that you can have these schools, like even in the 80s and 90s, how Florida State and Miami exploded out of that state to become contending powers, that you can have that if you are conveniently in that spot where, say, the competition, there aren't a ton of people, so if you do a good job of scouring everybody across your state and your region and be able to pick out and identify and have a vision, you can actually plug those talented players in and make it work. But you have to do all that and gain momentum the way he did for years before when it would be the James Whites or the Jadavian Clownies or the Daquan Bow, all these different recruits that helped get that momentum to get to that. Because Clemson was still given Clemson treatment until like last season, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like it's still until Watson did it, did they even get any recognition? And same with Auburn, with Cam Newton, the same with LSU. LSU has some years like that where people are like, LSU should always be achieving more, but until they get the right coach in there, then. They hadn't done it, and then Nick Saban comes in. Yeah, and he so if you're it, in those areas and you got enough, you can contend, but it's going to be a lot tougher than some of the ones with I that built-in you. advantage. you got to get the coach, and they got the coach. Yeah. Which, which That's what the Aggies did. you, you got to get the right coach. Mm-hmm. You just said it, and the Aggies went out and got the right coach. So we all agree Jimbo Fisher's yep. a damn good coach. Yeah. Big 12. Best coach they could have gotten. Which takes you us back I mean? to Texas, Rod, available. and when you look at the trajectory of this program, there's no reason why you said it, and I believe it. There's no reason why Texas and Texas A&M both shouldn't be really good yeah. year in and year out. And – you said it before. If if you're a coach of the blue blood program, you can usually tell pretty early on if if you're going to be successful or not. If yeah. you're going to be the guy, and I think we've seen enough signs from Tom Herman through this first what's fourteen, fifteen, sixteen mm-hmm. months that yep. he's been on the job that leads you to believe, yeah, I think he's got a chance to be the guy. No doubt, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got the resources available to him. Um, you know, what I mean, right now, seem it's, it seems to be a blank check that he <laughs> he got to you know, what I mean, or, you know, what I mean, to be able to but like, like yeah. revamp the support staff and facilities and all. And, yeah, I, right. and I agree, and it should because I think everybody agrees. If you put everything around him, man, I don't see how you know that that, that guy doesn't 
you know, achieve the ultimate goal, which is win a national it's title. It's just when we trying to keep up with, like, the Alabamas who you see saying hiring 10 more assistants, like, and literally yeah, just constantly right. doing whether, it. Whether we've talked about A&M or Clemson or Auburn or these programs that consistently underachieve, Texas has underachieved through this yes, whole decade. And, yes, you've got resources, but it's all about – can you maximize those resources? Can you make the most of those resources? Like, I, I think we, we made this point, and I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. Charlie Strong did not do a good job initially when he got hired of maximizing his resources, of demanding more. Like, hey, yeah. you hired me to be in this job. I need this salary pool for assistant coaches. Period. I need this renovation done. I need this. I need that. That's exactly right. And because when he started asking for him, in addition to have a penny-pinching athletic director, it was – from the donors, it's like, you want some money from us? Why don't you win some games first? Yeah, pretty much. And and think about it, he had a different AD, too. Right, different exactly. situation. So, yeah. You know what I mean? Never so mentioned that. Yeah, everything though. was – and we were we were still – this Influx, is why you don't ever want to follow a legend. Yeah, Texas sports was still in a hell of a transition. And Charlie was, unfortunately for him – Kind of the transition coach. Mm-hmm. He was the bridge to Tom Herman. He was Brown talked about it for years leading up to his retirement. Yeah. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy, man. You don't want to replace a legend. You just don't want to do it. It's just tough to do. I mean, Fred Akers has a great career at Texas, but nobody really remembers or thinks of him that way. When I grew right. up as a little kid, I didn't think Fred Akers was that good of a coach yeah. until my dad told me that He's he just fantastic. wasn't as good as Royal. Yeah. And like, that's a damn good coach. That's all you got to be. And like, when you look at where Texas and A&M, when have they been down? Like, say, even though they were up at times in the early 80s, but those 80s years are what we're talking about now in the 10s. What else has went on? That's when the other schools in the state came up. Now, SMU was cheating at yeah. the time doing it. Or we have Gary Patterson and Bryles, a great mind, and then you have a coach coming in with a well established program to the conference so then now it isn't as yep. easy as it was when like how That's you true. said the goal of Mac and RC was to Keep us yeah. to we're going to run it and we're going to then battle yeah. it out for the best players yeah. now you go in and give 25 scholarships to Baylor give 25 scholarships to Texas TCU Tech and then and you TCU. still have those out of yeah. state guys that in between the cheating era right. of SMU and all that, and then the new great coach, the proliferation of the spread era in Texas college or high school football, what was in between those two was that Mac and that RC time that was able to keep it together and keep it all in-house. That's but right. the second that you mess that up, it's like, okay, the door's open, and it's not always going to be closed for you unless you can go and capitalize in that short first time window and not mess it up. I, I've How talked to – I talked to enough high school coaches. I don't know that's a different debate because now with the proliferation of, you know, select seven on seven coaches and private trainers and there's different, you know, third parties and, and different uh, entities that college coaches now have to be aware of and, and welcome into their program if they want to get recruits, which that's another debate for another day. But I've talked to enough high school coaches that have told me honestly, and it's guys that have gone to Texas or they're gone to A and M or maybe they went to Angelo State or wherever. But Rod, and I think you can you've dealt with high school coaches too, you can mm-hmm. kind of agree with me on this. The high school coaches will tell you, hey, football in this state is better when Texas and A&M are both really good. No question. Mm -hmm. And it it don't happen a lot. Because it reflects better on them as high school coaches, the product that they're giving, that they're providing to coaches at the next level, that, hey, if the two biggest schools in this state are both really good, then that that looks good on us. Yeah, because then the theme is coming out, okay, you have – 32 NFL quarterbacks, 12 of which are from Texas, none of which played at Texas. Yeah. And, like, you have all it's these exactly discussions right. that end up being those type of discussions. Like, Mac Brown offered Johnny Manziel and RG3 as DBs because he didn't want to play quarterback, and that becomes the theme if you don't the get what you're doing right there. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where uh, I think you're right because we've seen the uh, – 
I don't know where the scene and the landscape in Texas is. Texas is good and um, you know, then nobody else is really as good as Texas. Like, and we saw, yeah. the, and you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. they can get good, but they, we've seen it lately where, yeah, like TC, TCU, TCU will be good, and U of H is good, and Baylor is out. good. It's it's so rare that we've gotten. I want to say since 1980, only six times uh, has Texas and Texas A&M been ranked at the same time when they played, like in those I don't know, 32 years. Mm-hmm. So it has. It's been very rare that both. Both of them are really good. I think it is great for Texas. I think now in this era, seeing what Baylor has done with Art Browse and doing that Browse era, and I and I still think they have a, a great coach now too. Uh, but Texas Tech, even at times, has been up. TCU, one of the most consistent programs in the country, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, U of H has been up. It's like, oh man, so all those programs can take it to the next level. It'd be great if you could have that still happening where these programs periodically are contending for national titles or, you know, they're going 11-2 and two or 12-1, and one, that kind of thing, and still have Texas and Texas and him, the two marquee universities in the state, doing really well. Because the truth is, that's how much talent is in the state. Like, so, that's how yeah. deep the talent pool mm-hmm. is in the state. It can support both Texas and Texas A&M functioning at a blue blood level and also feed TCU, U of H, mm-hmm. that's because we have that much talent in the state. It's no, different than the, also, it's no different than the state of Florida where you can have yeah. Florida, yep. Florida State, and Miami all be really good. And now Central and you got Florida. UCF doing their thing. They Here's Charlotte, South Florida. Exactly doing right. Thing. Lane Kiffin at Florida Atlantic. Butch Davis at FIU. It happens Why, all yeah. the time. It, it, it really, that's a great example. I'm glad you brought that Florida thing up. And then this is why great it's even per, uh, better compared to that one. When you look at A&M now helped us because A&M left the conference. So now you don't play each other. Yeah. So now you have the dynamic that Florida and Florida State and them had their in different conferences. They no, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. They don't have the built yeah. in to where like that's the built in disadvantage. Even if you're both good in the now same when conference, you would have built ten win yeah. teams. Now it's that 1990 or 1995 year when one's a nine win team and one's a ten win team. But now if you're in different conferences, not playing each other, you can both be ten win teams. Especially now with the college football that. playoff in the ranking. Same way that Miami yeah. wasn't in the conference as Florida, and then it took till the very end till they joined up with Florida State, and they could all coexist easier that way. Just with one less loss first one another exactly right. real quick before we get out of here and wrap this thing up this week i want to give a shout out to my wife um as i told you guys at the top yes. of the show we'll be heading to the hospital tonight and my wife I've, I've heard of women who have had just awful horrible pregnancies and just heard horror stories but man my wife's been a trooper you know throughout the whole pregnancy she's managed to finish uh at least the school part of getting her master's degree she'll graduate in may nice. um she's That's continued amazing. to work like my wife is at work right now that's so, crazy, man. Yeah, so she's that gonna she's gonna go deliver a baby <laughs> later tonight. Don't you feel lazy? Don't you feel lazy? Do you feel lazy and worthless? I, I feel yes. very unaccomplished. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> very unaccomplished. You like that, that male lion and yeah. all the females go out and hunt and they go yes. do all the killing and right. they protect the, the you know what I mean? They protect all the cubs and everything, and all you do is sit there and just lay by the tree. <laughs> yeah, I, sp- I spilled cat litter all over the place in the house this morning trying to change out the litter box. So that's, that's she's about to have a human being. What the hell are you doing, Jeff? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I, I wanted to share this real quick before we get out of here. And I don't want to like, end this podcast on a somber note or anything, but I do want to say that uh, you know, for my wife, and my wife gave me permission to talk about this, so I, I wanted to share just for anybody that might be going through the same thing. Um, conception for my wife and I was very hard, and we tried for years, and. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's it's always that awkward conversation. And Matt and Rod, I'm sure you guys are going to have it at some point. Travis, I'm over there on the couch. I'm sure he's had it at some point. When are you guys having kids? When are you guys having kids? Oh, yeah. And it's awkward to say, well, I mean, we can't. But, right. you know, it's like, well, soon enough. And then Trying. people pressure you and you want grandkids and things like that. Mm-hmm. And and nobody, you know, nobody knows the struggle that, that that is. And there were plenty of times along the way. And, again, this has been a multi-year process where we talked about it. Do we just quit? Do we go down to the avenue? Do we go do something else? Do we look at adoption? What, you know, what do we do? And we both decided to stick it out. And we're so glad, you know, we talked about this a couple nights ago and we talked about this for last week. We're so glad we saw it through and there stuck it out because uh, this has been an amazing process. Um, and, and it's just now starting, really, with, with what's going to happen tonight. That's right. But I, I would just encourage anybody out there, if, if you're struggling with it, if it's something that you don't think is going to happen, man, just stick with it because some, something good will come of it. And, and to people on the outside, if you see a young couple, and don't, don't ask them questions about, when oh, you guys going to get it? It's just because you don't know what anybody's going through. You don't know, you don't know their situation. Through. Exactly. You don't know somebody's plight. You don't know what's going to happen. And honestly, if it hadn't been for my situation at work with the insurance situation, um, I don't know if we would have been able to afford it. So I, you know, regardless of what happens in my tenure, I feel like I'm going to be a 24-7 for a long time. But I'll be forever grateful to, to Bobby Burton and Shannon Terry and the guys that uh, took care of me with, with the last contract negotiation and valued me enough to, to keep me around and put me in the position they're in. So, again, just anybody, you know, whatever you're going through, you know, don't let it beat you down because it can, uh, and it did to us quite a bit. Um, just keep pushing. And it, it seems like a really, really long, tough process. But trust me, at the end of that process, uh, all that other stuff will have been worth it for for what what waits for you at the end, one way or the other. Something good will come from it. Amen. Amen. All right, and that's gonna wrap up. Uh, it's gonna be Matt and Rod for a couple weeks solo. I'll come back. We'll do a big spring football preview, and that's when we'll get back into recording like the long podcast that I know you guys like, and we'll get into the meat and potatoes of spring ball. So, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. All right, anytime. Congrats, brother. Thank you, Rod. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com, AM 1260, and The Horn app, where you can get Rod each and every weekday from 1 to 3 on the Rod Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you get us on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and any podcast app. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.